0: Hi, I'm Shane Robertson and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to find Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter number 13. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. I'm trying to complete a message the Lord's placed on my heart uh, entitled, The Spirit-Filled Church. It's in a series of messages that I've been preaching uh, under the title of Living with Biblical Clarity. Just the premise of this series is that we're living in a culture that needs to clearly understand that. Not only do we believe the Word of God to be true, and not only do we love the Lord Jesus Christ as the author of the Word of God, but we also fear the Lord in such a way that we respect Him, and we want to live off of the principles found in the Word of God. I believe that the Word of God is just as relevant today as it was when God gave it to us when it was written. And because I believe that, I place myself under the Word of God, and want the Word of God to change me. God speaks clearer in the Word of God in a believer's life than He does anything else. Now, say, so Pastor, are you saying God can't speak to me in a song? Sure He can. He can speak to you in a song and challenge you to love others and be more evangelistic. But I'm telling you, if whatever, whatever means the, the Word of God or whatever means the Lord speaks to you, if it does not line up with the Word of God, then it's not true. It has to line up with the Word. And so when lining up with the Word of God, I want my life to line up with God's Word. And so when looking at the Scriptures, we need to live in such a way with such biblical clarity that individuals look at us and they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we're born again. And in doing so, that is, we've got to live the Spirit-filled life. And we want to be a part of a Spirit-filled church. And so when we read the book of Acts, we're introduced to the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11. It is a Gentile church, and it's a church that God uses uh, in many, many ways to show us what a New Testament church looks like. Uh, We looked at this passage of Scripture, and in reading it, we see that there are three basic elements in a Spirit-led church. We see that the Holy Spirit has an involvement within the church... Today we're going to look at the Spirit's intentions on the church. And then next week we're going to look at the Holy Spirit's interactions outside the church. And just by way of review, we talked about uh, last week the Spirit's involvement within the church. We said within the church of the church at Antioch, as well as the church at Maysville or Maysville Baptist Church, we simply said that in looking at our church, it ought to reflect a church where the Holy Spirit is involved in our structure. And we said the simple structure of the church at Antioch was that it had pastors and it had teachers. It had pastors and teachers. And we, all, we talked about that. Let me encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, past, that uh, sermon, go back and listen to it. And then we said the Holy Spirit was not only involved in its structure... But the Spirit of God is also involved in its spiritual leaders. And then we looked at the individual leaders of the church at Antioch. Uh, We looked at Barnabas and Simon and Lucius and Manon and Saul. And we took away from that that God had brought together these individuals from different areas of the world and these different cultures. And He brought them together under the banner of the blood of Jesus Christ and under the Great Commission... And challenge them to go and to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see the Holy Spirit's involvement in those spiritual leaders' lives. And two, we said, by way of application, the spiritual leaders here at Maysville Baptist Church need to be led by the Spirit of God. And we looked at that, how God had brought these different individuals from all these different uh, places all over uh, the United States. And even in parts of the world throughout the years and how God's used them for the glory of God and the Spirit's involvement within this church. And then we said a third thing. We also said the Spirit is not only involved in its structure, not only is it involved in its spiritual leaders, but number three, we said the Spirit is also involved in its specific outreaches. The specific outreaches. And then we identified four simple outreaches the church had. We talked about how the church had ministry. And we noted, because this is very important to the context of this chapter... That their ministry was to the Lord. Their ministry was to the Lord. So when we launched our Bible studies, our small groups today, that launch was to the Lord. We, we want to do it for the Lord. We don't want to do it just because we're a church and we need to have Bible studies. No, we, we want to do it for the Lord, that the Lord would bless it, and the Lord would help us to, to mature in our faith so He can complete the task by which He has set us upon this earth to do, and that's the Great Commission. And so we find here that we said they had this ministry to the Lord. And then there was this outpouring, if you would, to the congregation. Number two, there was the ministry of fasting. And we were challenged by that because, if we were to be honest, the challenge of the church today in our culture is this fasting. And we looked at this through the lens of being challenged by asking ourselves the question, what can we fast? Uh, Some of us, we said, well, we need to fast from television. Others, we need to fast from sodas or uh, coffee. Some need to fast caffeine in general. Some need to fast from sugar. Uh, Others need to uh, fast in other different areas of their life. Challenges and different things that might get in the way of our spiritual growth. And we talked about how that God doesn't uh, command us to fast, but Jesus in His Word expects us to fast. And so we got a challenge from that. And then we talked about the laying on of hands. Uh, Not that this was a ministry uh, to, uh, if you would, commission someone to go out. Even though we do commissioning type services, the commissioning is because the Holy Spirit is moving within them, within the local body of believers, and the church is partnering there with the Holy Spirit, with our yes on the table, saying, Yes, Lord, we agree with this, and we lay our hands on this brother, this sister, this family, this couple, this missionary, as we send them out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we talked about uh, the last one, and that was the ministry of prayer. And uh, a, a biblical church is a praying church. And we talked about that. So that that was last week. So today I want to deal with point number two. And point number two is the Holy Spirit's intentions on the church. And there are three intentions that we find in this passage of Scripture concerning the Holy Spirit and what He intends to do on the church. So let's look at the text. Let me read it. And let's see if you can identify where these three are located. And then we'll dive in a little bit deeper to it. Verse number one. Now... There were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simon, which was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Magnum, or, or Manum, which happened to be brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, And there was Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were in Samalus, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John also to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Patpos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elemas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Now let me say this right here parenthetically, if I could. Don't, don't to get confused here. Elemas is the same Bar-Jesus He's the same guy. We're seeing his Greek name here. He is a sorcerer. He is a Jew. He's a false teacher, a false prophet. He's standing in between Sergius Paulus and Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas have been called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Sergius Paulus. This Bar-Jesus stands in between and says, No, you're not going to share the gospel with him. And he resists them. Paul, seeing this, according to verse number nine, says, Then Saul, verse number nine says, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, you full, uh, and said, Oh, full of all uh, subtlety subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist of darkness, and he went, about, uh, he went about seeking somebody, somebody, some or some other people, to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, whose name is Sergius Paulus, when he saw what was done, believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the Word of God. In this text, not only do you see the Spirit's involvement within the church, but you also see the the Spirit's intentions on the church. Uh, Many years ago, when Garrett was a little boy, Miriam had made some cookies and put them on the table, on on the counter. And as they were on the counter, she instructed the children... Don't touch the cookies. They're not done yet. Let's wait. And when they're done, we'll all sit down and have cookies and milk. It'll be a great time. It'll be wonderful. We'll have a great time together, but don't touch them. I see these videos, you know, online right now. Uh, you see them where, you know, they put a plate in front of the dog or the kid or whatever, and they say, stay, don't, just stay, don't eat it, don't eat it. And they walk out of the room, and the little little animal is just obedient, just sits there. The kids are... I'm glad they didn't do that when my kids were little. They, fail. they would fail. I mean, fail. What little Garrett did, he stuck his hand up there when nobody was looking, didn't see mom, didn't see, stuck his little hand up there. And I come out of my office around the corner, and there's his hand on a cookie. And I stand, I say, son, I heard what your mama said. What's your intentions? And the little hand up there, he looks up at me and says, I don't know. I love children's reactions. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew his intentions. His intention was to get that cookie, take it off the counter, and to put that thing in his mouth and enjoy it. That was his intention. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you this morning that the Holy Spirit of God knows exactly what the intentions of the Holy Spirit's heart is concerning uh, uh, what he's going to do in a body of believers. Let me show them to you if I could. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit intends to call believers. He intends to call believers. Look at verse number two again. The Bible says, And they ministered to the Lord, talking about these pastors in the church and these teachers in the church, and they fasted, they ministered and fasted, and then the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Here in the Bible, we see one of the intentions of the Holy Spirit in a local body of believers. He intends to call out believers in the local body of Christ to go do the work of the ministry. Now when you think about calling, you can't help but think about three areas of calling about, uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. We think first of all about the call to be saved. John chapter 3 verse number 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see that this calling on lost mankind's life is for everyone to be saved. Now God did not make us robots. He made us agents of a free will. Therefore, we can choose to receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We can choose to reject Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. But the calling is for all humanity. The calling is for everyone to be saved. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse number 9. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He simply said that as a lost humanity, talking to the church at Corinth, he says, you have been called, been called out by a faithful God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, you can either accept that call or you can reject that call. We find that calling number two. The second call of the Holy Spirit we see is the call to use your gifts in the church. The call to use your gifts in the church. God allows over the course of your lifetime for you to go through experiences, trials, difficulties, joys, wonderful excitement, great opportunities, extreme heartache, extreme difficulties like, if you would, maybe a divorce or maybe quite possibly uh, the loss of a job or or maybe the death of a loved one. God allows for those things to happen in our lives so that as born-again children of God we might experience and know the grace of God and that we might also be able to take what we learned in the midst of that trial and point to Jesus and say, only He's the one that got me through and this is how He done it. It's as if we look back on our lives as born-again children of God. We've accepted Christ as Savior. We've lived and walked our spiritual journey. We've had high highs and low lows. And when we look back over the course of our lives, we do see one set of footprints in the sand. And we clearly understand that it was Jesus Christ carrying us and us not walking alone. And that's whose footprints we see. For a born-again child of God, the Holy Spirit calls us into ministry to take those type of experiences and help train and teach other believers who have come to know Christ as their Savior. This is why we find in Scripture that the Bible says the older should teach the younger. Because the experiences that you have had, it's vitally important. That we as born-again children of God accept the call of a Holy Spirit on our lives so that we might train others to grow in their faith. If we don't, we find ourselves in a situation where we're a mile wide and an inch deep as a church. Where individuals, when they go through problems, shake their fist at God and say, God, why in the world are you allowing me to go through this? Why are you so mean to me? Why do you not love me? Why do you not care about me? It has nothing to do about the love and care of Jesus Christ. He loves and cares for you beyond measure. He sent his only son to die on your behalf on Calvary's cross. He is trying to teach you something. So a proper response would be, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this difficulty? What are you trying to teach me through this trial? What are you trying to teach me through this hardship, through this heartache, through this hard time? And then again, we take that not to receive it and sit on it, Vance Havner said a lot of times, we as born-again children of God, get all we can, can all we get, then sit on the can. That's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to get up and to share those experiences and help others navigate the waters of trials and tribulations and difficulties and trials for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise. So God allowed for you to go through that difficult time for a reason. The question is, have you answered the call of God to share with others how God has taught you through that trial and difficulty? I love what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. He said this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14. He said, "He called you to this, that is the gospel ministry, through your through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ." It's all about sharing. It's all about one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And once you find that bread, you see that it is substantial to meat every need that you have in the arena of your spiritual nourishment. Brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ, I submit to you today, the Holy Spirit is very much at work. He is very much at work in the callings of our lives. He calls us to salvation. He calls us to use our gifts. And then the third one. Let me just give you this third one very quickly. He also calls us into ministry. He calls us, into ministry. Again, in verse number 2, we find this in chapter 13. As they ministered, that is, as these men who were called of God to be saved, as they worked within the church, God in turn again, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, calls them out. Look at what the Bible says. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work of whereinto I have called them. You see, this calling is a personal calling for a born-again child of God. Now, we know two things about the calling of the Holy Spirit of God when it comes to full-time ministry. We know that He calls missionaries. He calls men and women to go and to leave their homes and to travel all over the United States and all over the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in completing the Great Commission. He calls men and women as missionaries. And then there's another calling. There's a calling to the pastorate. There's a calling to preach. There's a calling, if you would, to evangelism. We find that this calling, if you would, let me speak specifically to the pastorate. This calling to the pastorate is a very specific calling. It is a supernatural calling where God sovereignly calls a man into ministry. You have the free uh, will, if you would, when it comes to salvation. You have the free will of saying yes or no. Uh, You have the free will of saying yes or no in regards to the vocation that He calls you to. But you can rest assured, make no mistake, when God calls you into the ministry, it's not a mama calling, it's not a daddy calling, it's not a grandfather calling, it's not a, a, a grandmother calling, it's not a church body calling. It's the Holy Spirit of God calling you into the gospel ministry. And when you think about that, you think about it through the lens of Paul and Barnabas in knowing the fact that they didn't volunteer for this position. They didn't say, hey, I think it would be a good idea. I think we could make a pretty good living, if we would, going into the ministry. Man, I've met preachers over the course of my life. I've talked to them. I said, well, tell me, what got you into the ministry? They said, well, well, my dad was a pastor, and his dad was a pastor, and his dad was a pastor. And I just thought it would be a good idea for me to be a pastor, too. Kind of the family business. That kind of family business doesn't fly. I'm not in the ministry because my dad was a pastor. I'm not in the ministry because my grandfather was a pastor. I'm in the ministry because God called me into the ministry. And I'll never forget when I answered the call to ministry. I I had a, a dear family member look me right in the eye and said, What are you thinking? You have lost your mind. This was the quote quote, you will starve to death. Bless God, look at this. I ain't starving. What I'm saying to you, when God calls, God provides. When the Holy Spirit calls, the Holy Spirit provides. If there is anything else, let me just say this, if there's anything else that you can do outside of surrendering yourself to full-time Christian service for the Lord and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you better do it. We don't need any more daddy called and mama called and grandpa called preachers. We need preachers that have been called by the Holy Ghost that says you can't do anything else but preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's a fire shut up in my bones that you can't extinguish. Bless God, I'll preach again next service. A lot of people ask me, to say, three services? My stars. You can't believe it. It's a, 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 yes, I'm exhausted, but bless God, if you'll give me an opportunity, I'll do it again and again and again that I might burn out for Jesus Christ. So, well, you, you don't preach as hard that last service as you do that first service. I'm going to tell you what I do. I give you 100% in every service. Hey. Martin uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, God-fearing man. He he said this. He said, in quoting his favorite pastor, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said, if you can do anything else, do it. If you can stay out of ministry, stay out of ministry. In other words, don't do it just because you think it's a good opportunity to, to preach your philosophy God, we got pastors out there. They're not preaching the Word of God today. They're philosophizing. Hey. So let me tell you about this. What we need to do is we need to feel okay, I'm okay, you're okay. And they never reference Scripture. They never point back to the Word of God. And they'll stand up there for 45 minutes, captivated by the audience the whole time as the audience just scratches their ears as they have their itch scratched. Bless God, I'm not here to scratch your itch. I'm here to say, thus saith the Lord, here's what God says. And you can either do what God says, or you can reject what God says, but you be mindful, you will not win when you fight God. And so Martin Lloyd-Jones said, in in quoting Charles Spurgeon, he said, man, it's a dangerous job. It's a dangerous job. You don't know where your pay's going to come from. Uh, You're depending on God to make provision. You're going to make people mad? So you're not going to mean to. to, If you're going to be a true preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this book, this book that God gave us is contrary to the culture in 2021. If I preach the whole counsel of God and I just hit everything that's in the word of God, it will be contrary to what our culture says is right. As a matter of fact, already, I'm just sitting here saying that, that the ministry in regards to a pastor is reserved for a man of God. Not a woman of God, a man of God. That's contrary to the culture. Hey. Got peers and others that will say, oh, preacher, no, that ain't right. I just, man, that's offensive. You, you can't say that. You, ladies can be pastors just like men can. That's not what Paul told Timothy. Hey. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying women can't do ministry. Bless God. I'm telling you, we've got wonderful, wonderful directors of ministry here at Maysville Baptist Church. We've got the finest minister's director, uh, or ladies' director, uh, if you would, that I would put up against anybody in regards to reaching women for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Mary Beth Robinson is an excellent, an excellent director in our women's ministry. But she's not a pastor. And she'll tell you she had not been called a pastor because it's against God's Word. Look, I know it's not popular, but I'm telling you, it's what the Bible says. Somebody will hear that and they'll get mad. Send me an ugly email. Tell me I'm off my rocker. I'm ancient. I'm archaic. I just like to look at it as being biblical. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said, David. Listen to this. Spurgeon said, preachers are born, not made. That's what he said. I found that to be very interesting. Martin Martin Lloyd-Jones, he he said this. He said, this quote, in in quoting Spurgeon, he says, this is an absolute. You'll never teach a man to be a preacher if he's not already one. It was clearly the case in 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 Lloyd-Jones' life he realized he was not joining a volunteer army. The question that we wrestle with concerning a call to ministry is this. What constitutes a call to preach and a call to ministry? Charles Hatton Spurgeon, along with Martin Lloyd-Jones, wrote down their personal experiences in regards to calling. One of which we we see very, very true when you look at those pastors that are called in the Word of God. Those that are called to ministry in the Word of God simply have, number one, an inner compulsion within that calls us to preach the Word of God. I wish I could explain it. I wish I could explain that it would just be be nice, preacher, if today's your birthday. Why didn't you take off today? Why didn't you take off today? I mean, you, you, you preach all the time. I just don't understand. Why, why, why don't you just take off and enjoy the day? What makes you think I'm not enjoying this? I got a message shut up in my bones. I tried to get rid of it last week and I couldn't get rid of it. I woke up on Monday morning burning, burning inside to preach this message so that we might clearly understand the Holy Spirit's work in a Spirit-filled church that we might say, yes, Lord, we know that you intend to call people out of the church to do the work of the ministry. And if he does, you're going to have an inner compulsion to preach the Word of God. Number two. There's also going to, be, going to be an outside influence, he said. An outside influence. What is this? An outside influence that will come along to the called one. The only thing I can reason by this is thinking about my own personal experience. When I was called into the ministry, many came around and said, there's no doubt this, this, young, man, this young man has been called into the ministry. He's been called. There's no doubt about that. People will begin to say that. Number three, there's this loving concern for others. A loving concern for others. Uh, I want you to understand when when I say uh, I, that I deeply love you, I'm not just exercising some pastoral word phrase that I need to I need to tap into. I heard somebody said one time after service, uh, not here, this is somewhere else that I preached. I done, man, preached hard, preached hard, man. It was hot. I, they didn't have any air conditioner. I don't think. I, anyways, I just preached, sweating, and spit, and slobbering, and stomping. I mean, just the Lord, just man. It was just. People got saved. But you have this meathead walk out of church and go, well, he, he, he was just preaching. He just preaching. Just preaching to be preaching. He just preaching. He didn't mean he preached preaching. I have never preached to be preaching. I've never mounted the word or mounted the pulpit with a thought in my mind that I'm, I've got somebody that I'm thinking about. never. Never. I enter the pulpit thinking, here's the text, here's what God says, and I move towards the Word of God in such a way to contextualize it so that you might see, in essence, the love that our Heavenly Father has because He loves us, I love you. I'm not your judge, I'm not your jury, I'm not your executioner, I am your pastor. I'm to help you get from where you are to where God wants you to be. Like Jesus I like to go and sit and be with sinners. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we had not arrived yet. Hey. And another thing, in, in regards to love and concern for others, if you've got a love and concern for others, then you're not going to be a legalistic individual that condemns everybody that comes along. Were it not for the grace of God, that could be us. Hey. A love and concern for others. Here, here's the fourth thing Lloyd-Jones said. He says there's going to be this overwhelming constraint. You're you're going to be constrained. What what he was saying is this. There are going to be seasons in your your life, if you're called into ministry, where you're going to get tired in the ministry. You're going to be tired in the work. You're not going to get tired of the work. Man, I would say that to be true. Man, there have been seasons in my life, looking back, where I have been so tired in the work. That I've even tried, I've even tried to quit. Now there's one thing that I have never, this is the truth. I heard Adrian Rogers say it and I say amen to it because I believe he's 100% right. There have been many times over the course of my spiritual journey as a child of God where I have questioned, watch this, questioned my salvation. I've doubted it. Growing in my faith. There have been seasons in my life where I've doubted my salvation. Looking at the truth and holding on to that truth, I know that I'm saved and born again. But nonetheless, there were seasons in my life before I was was growing in my maturity, I, I doubted my salvation. But here's one thing I've never doubted. I've never doubted God's call on my life. And the only reason, the only reason why I haven't said, that's it. Packed everything up and put, say, I'm done. And walked away and went and, and tried to go dig ditches somewhere. The only reason I haven't done that is because God's called me to this. Hey. There's this overwhelming constraint. Number five, here's the fifth thing he says. He says, there's also this sobering humility. There's a sobering Humility. We get confused when it comes to humility today as born again children of God. We think that humility is speaking words of negativity against ourselves like this I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy. I, I can't be, a, I can't be a, a deacon. I can't be a missionary. I'm not worthy. And we speak these words of negativity. Knowing that God, in His great sovereignty and wisdom, chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. You see, true humility is not speaking negativity against yourself and your unworthiness, that's pride. What true humility is, is recognizing that, yes, you may be unworthy, but I'm not going to let that slip out of my, my, my mouth. Because if God can use a donkey, bless God, he can use me. And I'm just opening my hands up and say, God, I'm not going to be like some of these disciples in the Scripture that call you Lord and say, not so, Lord. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. My yes is on the table. I'm ready to go for you. You just tell me what direction you want me going in. That's where I'm going to go. I have met individuals over the course of my life that God has called, was calling them into ministry. God was calling them, calling them. And the whole time they said, not so, Lord, not so, Lord. And watch this. They're the most miserable people you'll ever meet. Hey. They walk through life, and some of them are very successful financially. And they'll say, I missed it. I missed, I said, no, Lord, when he was calling me into ministry. Number six, he says also, Lloyd-Jones says, when you're called into ministry, there's this inner compulsion, this outside influence, this loving concern for others, overwhelming constraint, sobering humility. And then he says there's, there's this corporate confirmation. Corporate being church. He says the church, the church comes together, not for the laying on of hands for commissioning, but the laying on of hands for sending out for the glory of God. And so we find here that this call to ministry, if you're being called to ministry, you, you need to clearly understand, it's not the preacher that's calling you out. It's not your dad that's calling you, or your mom, or your godly grandmother, or godly grandfather. If you're being called into ministry, it is the Holy Spirit's calling you. And I find it absolutely, overwhelmingly joyful that he calls within a body of believers. So today, while I'm speaking to you, there are some people that that are in our congregation today that God's calling to answer the call to ministry. And that, listen, that calling, that calling may be for you to put your yes on the table to say, Lord, here I am. Yes, send me out whatever you want. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my yes on the table. You want me to be a pastor, I'll be a pastor. You want me to be a missionary, I'll be a missionary. Uh, whatever you want, yes, Lord. Full-time Christian service, I'm putting my yes on the table. There's some, there's some folks in our church right now, God's calling you to say yes. Now, don't get me wrong, there are other callings here. Some, God are call, God's calling some to be a Sunday school teacher, a small group Bible study leader, work in our youth department, children's department, women's department, men's department. God's calling you to exercise your gifts for the work of the ministry. But I'm specifically referring to the fact that in the text, we see God, through the Holy Spirit, is intending to call out believers. Number two, not only is He intending to call out believers, but that goes right into the next part where He intends to send out believers. Verse four, He's going to send out believers. Look at verse number four again. The Bible says, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So not only do we see God calling these men out of the church, we also see the Holy Spirit sending them out into the local community or sending them out to fulfill the Great Commission. So if God's calling you out of this church, I don't want you to think, well, God's calling me out from this church to be on staff here. No, God may be calling you to send you out. God is a sending God. The Holy Spirit is a sending agent. He sends people. Having prayed for Saul and Barnabas and having publicly identified them, the Bible says there the Antioch church laid their hands on them and sent them away. Now watch this. That laying on of hands and sending them away, that, the Greek word there means to release them. To release them. What the church understood, according to verse number 2, the Holy Spirit called them, and if we try to hang on to them, we're out of God's will. We're out of God's will. So we cannot, watch this, we cannot say, oh, look at the staff that God's given us. God's given us a wonderful staff, and the pastor has poured his life into that staff. Man, I hope they never leave. That's the wrong prayer. If God's going to say true to His Word, then God will fulfill through the local body of believers to call out the called ones. And so when we look at our ministry, watch this. Oh, I love this part. I love this part. When you look at our ministry, and I can only measure the the, the time I've been pastor here. We have to look at our ministry over these past six and a half years and say, okay... Has God been involved in this church, in our structure? That's question one. We dealt with that last week. Is God involved in our spiritual leaders? Has God taken all these different spiritual leaders that we have in our church, brought them together, we've watched them grow and do ministry? Number three, has the Holy Spirit been involved in our specific outreach? Wild game dinners, Monday night visitation, Wednesday night programs... Has God been involved in that? And we walked away last week and we said yes. So this week we look and we say, okay, has the Holy Spirit exercised His intentions within our local body of believers? Has He called people out of our congregation? And has the Holy Spirit sent people out of our congregation? And when you look at just the history of of, of these past six and a half years, I can't help but think about individuals like, I'll just name a few because I'm out of time, like Michael Fisher. Michael Fisher came and said, Pastor, I want you to know me and my wife, God's called us and we're answering the call. And we brought them before the church and prayed over them. And we sent them out as he and his wife minister over at Montgomery Heights Baptist Church. I think about when I first got here, a man by the name of Dan Branch, church member here, teaching in our youth department. I'll never forget the day he came knocking on my door. He came in my office, he sat down, he says, Preacher, so I've been listening to the Word of God. I can't fight it anymore. God is calling me into the ministry. And we brought brought him down. We we laid our hands on him. We prayed for him. And today he's serving as a full-time missionary in Asia. It's the funniest thing. He's like seven foot and he's ministering. to. It's hilarious watching his ministry. He captivates them with his attention as he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Most recently, I think about Mark Thomas, a dear brother that I love dearly, who ministered on staff here, whom God had called out of this congregation, who went to seminary, ended up back here for a season, and then God called him out again, and we placed our hands on him prayed. And over in Martin Baptist Church in Stevens County, he's doing a great work for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And might I say, he is not done yet. He's still calling out the called ones. The question is, are you going to answer that call? He intends to call believers. He intends to send believers. And then here's the third one, and I close. My time is up. He intends to fill believers. Notice what the Scripture says. Verse number 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. This is right in the middle of the story where uh, we find here in the text that Sergius Paulus wants to be saved. He calls for for Barnabas and for Saul or Paul to come to be with him. And as Paul and Barnabas enter into the gates here of this, uh, this diplomat, if you would, this deputy of the country the Bible calls him, as they enter into his office, a man by the name of Bar-Jesus stands in between them and resists Paul. Paul, being a born-again child of God, being filled with the Spirit, knowing knowing that God has, number one, called him, knowing, number two, that God has sent him, and is now about to exercise the third thing the Holy Spirit gives us within the church, and that is a filling the filling of the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the baptism of the Spirit. You get that when you get saved. We, listen, in fact, you want to hear about the teaching of the, fill, of the baptism of the Spirit, you got to go all the way back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 talks about the, the baptism of the Spirit. You get that when you get saved. But as we journey, the Holy Spirit fills us up and we empty ourselves out. He fills us up. We empty ourselves out. Here's a case where he, Paul needed filling up. Now, I want you to notice this feeling. It happened right when he needed it. That's right. right when he needed it. A lot of people say, well, the reason why I don't go into ministry is I don't know what to say. Could I just go on record and say, you're in good company. So, well, preacher, when I'm, when I'm, you, just say, you say the right, the right things in the situation. I mean, how do you know to say that? I'm depending on the Spirit to give it to me. I'm I'm too stupid to memorize this whole thing. I I can't. I'm from Alabama. (laughs) But the Spirit of God can touch the man of God to produce the words of God. To see a man come to know God and give all the glory to God. See, I don't try to give the right answers to glorify me. I want to give the right answers to glorify God. So i got to stay out of the way. I only, I've got to be used as a, as a vessel. And that's what we see here. We see Paul being used as a vessel. So there's one baptism, many fillings. And the filling that he had here in, at this particular juncture gave him the strength and the power to say something that he doesn't normally say, to do something that he doesn't normally do, and to watch demonstrate, got to watch God demonstrate what God is always known to do, and that's to see a lost man come from darkness into light. Yes. And so we find here in the text, the Bible clearly says that as he's filled with the Spirit of God, he speaks. Now remember, the word of God's not complete, so we're in this season here of supernatural activity. Today, what we see is speaking the truth in love. We speak the truth in love, and, and that don't that don't always that don't always equate to someone walking away going, oh yay, thank you. Woo-hoo. Sometimes today it causes people to walk away in anger. Because if you're called by God and sent out by God, then you represent God as an ambassador of God. And as you speak the word of God, you are the representation. So if you say something and it, and it hits them. It, John the Baptist experienced this. John the Baptist experienced when he preached against uh, immorality. And then you see Herod Aquittus say, Mm-mm, I can't handle that. Off with his head. As his lover said, I want his head on a platter. He, he was killed. Well, is that what John said? No, that's what God, God said. God told him to say that. And so it shouldn't surprise a man of God that when he speaks the Word of God as he's filled with the Holy Ghost, that he makes people mad. I, I, I made an individual so mad he threatened to kill me. And all I was trying to do is, is, is protect the local body of believers that God had called me to be the under-shepherd over. And so the power that you get that you get is the power that the Holy Spirit gives you and he gives you that power in relationship to surrendering to him. So when we look at this text we see that the Holy Spirit has intentions and the intentions that he has on the church is threefold. He intends to call believers, verse number 2. He intends to send believers, verse number 4. And he intends to fill believers. Verse number 9. Uh, this week I close with this illustration. Grant, my, uh, my middle son, uh, he, he's 16 and he saved up his money and he bought a 2002 Crown Victoria. It's the funniest thing. Love it. It's a boat. I mean, it just kind of glides. It's a wonderful. Really fun. It's fun to drive. It's fun to ride in. It needed a paint job. He saved up his money. Saved it up. And he got it painted this week. Uh, we got it back on Friday. Uh, got that back. And uh, as he got the the, the vehicle uh, back, uh, it was... So wonderful. I mean, you're talking about an excited boy. But in order for us to go pick it up, the the lady said when I dropped it off the week before, don't know if it's going to be ready. Not sure if it's going to be ready. Maybe ready on Thursday. Maybe ready on Friday. Maybe ready on Monday. I'm just not sure. I'll call you. That's what she said. I'll call you. I said, okay. She said, make sure I got your number. She called out my cell phone number. She said, that's it. And so every time my phone would ring on Thursday or Friday, if I, and I didn't recognize the number. So it either could have been the auto dealership or spam. And then the dilemma is set before the preacher. Because normally, if I don't know who the number is, if it's, if it's one of you, you just leave a message, I call you back, and I can get you on my phone, and there you go, I know who you are. So I don't answer if it's spam or just end it. But I had to take every call to see whether or not it was who I was waiting for. Now I generally knew, I generally knew, because I knew the call was coming out of Athens. And so if it didn't come out of Athens, I didn't answer it. But three or four calls come out of Athens. Some wanted me to buy a life insurance policy. Others wanted me to bring my dog to their veterinarian service. But there was only one call that said, Your son's vehicle's ready. Come get it. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, there are many callings this world is putting on you. But there's only one call that comes in from the Holy Spirit of God. And what shows up on the caller ID will line up with this right here. The question is, will you answer that call? Will you answer the call? Let's bow for prayer. Father, there are some here today that needs the, they need to answer your call on their life. You called them. You're sending them. You're filling them. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we would be very sensitive to the Spirit-filled leading of our congregation. Lord, would you call out the called ones today? There are some that are called to teach. And Lord, that's just in some little area of the church. They're called to minister within the local body of believers. But then there are others that you're calling to be missionaries. Lord, you're calling to be pastors. And Lord, I pray that we would answer that call. I pray we'd answer it today. Lord, if there's one here today and the call is for salvation, I pray today that they'd get saved. Lord, I pray today that if they would trust you, they would just say something like this to you. They would say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. And God, I ask you today to save me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maisel Baptist Church on our website. Just type... MaysvilleBaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.